Hello everybody, this is Jimmy from the Jimmy Psycho Experiment, and I'd like to wish you a happy Halloween while you listen to Nine Cents Podcast. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I am your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It's October 20th, and I've got a great show for you this week. Uh, before I do, at the top there, you heard a little uh, a little uh, happy Halloween from Jimmy Psycho. Uh, you need to check out jimmypsycho.com. He has this little project, the Jimmy Psycho Experiment, and he has an album released under that moniker, Called Mad Monster Cocktail Party. Now, I had him on the show last year. We, I think it was last year. We played a track from it, uh, the album, and it was fantastic. I I own this album. I bought it on iTunes, and it's, it's sort of a great background fucking CD. Now, especially in this climate, in the Halloween climate, as it were. Uh, it's really fantastic, so do yourself a favor, and I believe if you order the physical CD from him, uh, from the website jimmypsycho.com, there are some bonuses that you can get, which is going to be amazing. So check those out, and check out Mad Monster Cocktail Party. You will not regret it. Um, I've always been a fan of his, and uh, he's he's a fantastic musician. Got a lot of projects going on, and I will be probably bugging him to come on the show here as soon as some of them uh, come out. Okay, so next week, got to tell you guys, you ready? You prepared? Hold on to your britches. Do people call britches anymore? Hold on to your pantaloons. Not, not that one either, right? Hold on to your panties! Uh, all right, well, it only applies to a certain segment of the listener audience. Next week is the Greater Magic episode with Magister Nemo. I don't know why I did Halloweeny voice, probably because it's a Halloweeny time, <laughs> and I've got a Halloweeny <laughs> right here. Uh, hold, hold on to that thought because I want to come back to that in just a second. Completely inappropriate for this mention, though. So, <laughs> every year that this podcast has been going on, uh, it started with a suggestion by Reverend Bill M. and his uh, hosting the very first of Greater Magic episodes, and then every year I've sort of just done another one, uh, trying to make them all unique and valuable in their own way for all of us Satanists. This one is no exception. Magister Nemo performs amazingly. Uh, the subject matter for me is quite fascinating, and I hope you enjoy it as well. And, uh, I mean, let's be honest, who doesn't like listening to greater magic? Uh, banter. Discussions. Talk. It's fantastic. By far, it is the most popular questions I get asked as a host of a satanic podcast. Greater magic. It's always about magic. So, you know, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you listen to it, and I hope you take it to heart, whatever uh, the content is. It's going to be great. <laughs> I love putting these things together. Um, all right, so I want to... Hold on, I want to return to that whole Halloween-y thing. I've been sick for... <laughs> forever. I don't know. My doctor said that the medication I take for my asthma and my allergies rid, like lowers my immune system. Uh, so take that and add in a daughter in daycare and a son in school, in public school, and you equate me always being sick, <laughs> constantly being sick. So I have this huge swollen gland in my neck, which is wonderful. Not very much. Um, and so, <laughs> being sick, I, I noticed a couple things, embarrassing things. 
that because I have no shame, I'm going to share with you now. Uh, okay, so as a man, I don't know. Uh, it, it's something that we're always, we always joke about as kids. You know, it's about dick size and you always have to have a big cock or act like you have a big cock. And, and somehow that equates to being a worthwhile human being <laughs> in a kid's or a juvenile's eyes. And it's fun. I mean, I grew up with... <laughs> This is going to be so telling. So I grew up with um, a a type of family who was wildly open sexually. Like they would talk about anything at the dinner table. It didn't didn't matter at all. And so I always got this story growing up where, um, (laughs) this is embarrassing, my, my grandfather was crazy excited about me being born. He took a photo of me as a baby and he would show it around his old army buddies saying, this is my grandson. Look at his cock. Like, I, I know how that sounds. That <laughs> sounds really fucking pedophile and gross, but that's not how he meant it. Uh, he just meant it as in a man who's proud that his grandson has a big dick, <laughs> even though I'm a baby. Like, and... I mean, this is just the thought process that's really stuffed into our heads as a macho society growing up. Uh, and so it's just recycled. Um, and so I grew up with this. Uh, my mom would joke to my dad about getting me in Playgirl and stuff like that. And so as soon as as soon as I, I grew up with these stories and I never had any basis of comparison, it was never really like that. It was just me hearing this stuff. And and so as soon as I got sexually active and I started learning sort of relation, you know, because everything's relative, size is relative, um, I didn't really understand what the fuss was because there was nothing spectacular about what I'm sporting. And maybe it was like it, like my current package was the same as when I was a baby. And so they were just like, whoa, this is crazy. Look at this junk. But I, you know, growing up, I was just like, I don't, I don't get what the big to do is. Um, until you have moments and this, I'm, I'm getting around to it, people. Until you have moments like this when you're sick. And I don't know if you guys out there experience this as well. I, I think you do. I don't think you'll ever talk about it. Certainly not to anyone else. Um, but I, I, I don't care. Whenever I'm sick, like I, I'm very diminutive. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it. Is, I, I look down. I'm like, holy shit! I'm 11 again. <laughs> like, I have, I have reverted back to prepubescence in 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 size. What the fuck is happening to me? Like every time I'm sick, and you have to measure that next to my sex drive because whenever I'm sick I'm laying around I'm not really thinking about anything I'm just sitting there I obsess about sex and so I am crazy driven to engage in sexual activity coupled with the smallest size penis I could possibly have at any given time Now, (laughs) I mean, a little anatomy exposure. Some guys are growers. Some guys are showers. I'm very much a grower. So I span the gamut, (laughs) depending on what I'm drinking, depending on who I'm with, depending on the mood, depending on whatever it is. um, I fluctuate, man. There is no on and off. It's very much shades of gray with me. When I'm sick... (laughs) There's no shade at all. It's just like wilted lily. It's so horribly embarrassing. And so I'm just looking down like, I don't... Is this the cruelest joke of all of genetic development? Like, I am never more psychologically prepared to wow someone and then physically incapable of wowing them at the exact same moment. Like, this this is me sick. It is... Torture. I don't know what. The, I, I cannot be the only. Maybe I am. I cannot be the only person that experiences this. But yeah, it was just this weird moment of clarity. I was, you know, taking care of myself in the shower, uh, washing my hair, and I happened to look down. And I'm like, "What the fuck is that? Where did the? Where did it go? What is happening?" Ah! You know, I just had one of those moments of sheer panic. Uh, and like, oh wow, this is the one moment I hope no 
Swedish bikini team bursts in my <laughs> bathroom door because, you know, that happens all the time. Um, yeah, so, I mean, ultimately it just comes down to the discussion, uh, sidestepping the embarrassing information there. Um, I, I feel like I'm always fucking sick. Like, it's crazy. I During the spring and summer, I'm good. As soon as fall hits, man, that is when I just take a dive. I am crazy sick. So, you know what, from now on, just call me AFS. No more Adam needed nor necessary. No more just AFS. Always fucking sick. <laughs> that is my name. Um, yeah, and, and like also, I mean, just this Halloween season. It's amazing. So, you know, you have these horrible, you know, occurrences of being sick all the time because of the air and just, you know, viruses spreading around this time of the year. But you also have the amazing experiences of, of sharing the season with your family. So for me, I love the spring and summer because I do a, a crazy amount of hiking and camping and fishing with my family. And I love that very much. In the winter, you get these really great, if you're into it, you get the holiday seasons, which is always fun if you have kids uh, trying to keep that magic alive as long as possible in them. Um, and then, you know, just the experiences of sledding and, you know, making snowmen and stuff like that. It's really fun. Um, but Halloween, it's different. It, I mean, it, just for example, today I was watching the Wolfman, uh, the original and, uh, making ghosts with my kids. And I, I know like my son, he's getting older and he doesn't really want to do this stuff. He's much prefer to be hanging out with his friends or playing a video game or something but he does it because he knows that I love it and he wants to not only make me happy in that way but he also wants to share that family experience and it's it's so powerful in my household this time of year where we are spending so much quality time together you know in this confined little space of our home uh, creating original things, um, whether it's art on a pumpkin or carving the pumpkin or creating food or um, creating ghosts and decorations for the season and just talking about what scares us and how we could scare other people or what we plan to do for, for outfits and stuff. I mean, it's great. My son this year is being a... Um, he's being Freddy Krueger, which... For me growing up, I, I had the Nightmare on Elm Street 2 poster for the majority of my informative years hanging on my the back of my bedroom door. I was obsessed with Nightmare on Elm Street, but I never once put that out there to my kids. Um, it was just something that I sort of obsessed about as, as an individual. He got into it on his own, and I couldn't be more excited and proud. Just so excited that he's into this same horror movie, even though it's crazy old, you know, in relation to him. Um, it's just so much fun being able to talk about Freddy Krueger and how he, you know, talking about how to put together this costume in the most inexpensive way possible with him. And um, I'm really excited for that. So, I mean, for the families out there, man, I, I know people really dig on Christmas time and, and stuff like that, but nothing beats Halloween. And if you... If you're not taking the time to manufacture your own uh, decorations yet, think about it. Think about spending that time and making a point to sit down and watch a traditional scary movie with your kids. And Because and, what you don't want is for them to find out about these things by other people, by their friends. Like, oh, have you seen Dracula or have you seen Frankenstein? You want to be the person with them, talking with them about it, because movies like this evoke discussion, and having that relationship with your kids is invaluable, because that's going to serve them. Uh, there are a lot of themes and, and relatable discussions that go with horror cinema. Having that back and forth with your kids is incredibly important, at least in my opinion. So do it if you haven't done it, and I've been loving it. It's been really fantastic. Um, I've also apparently been loving bantering here for a while, and I do have a lot more I wanted to talk about, damn it, but I'm going to cut it short here because I do have a hell of a show for you. 
Uh, Nine Cents Letters is making its return here. Um, we're going to be talking about a question I received from a listener that... This is uh, an interesting one. This is the second question I've gotten from this individual, the first time I responded. So, you know, you know, whenever I get emails from listeners, I sort of separate them into... Um, categories. And this is going to sound insulting to some of you, and I don't mean it that way, but because I have a lot of other things going on in my life, I have to, you know, say, well, this is the pile worth responding to, and this is the pile not worth responding to. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just realistically managing my time. When I find a comment that comes in that's damn close to being a trolling comment, I pretty much just put it off in the I will not reply to this side. This comment, um, it sort of teeter-tottered that, that line. And I think it's interesting and it's going to be a good discussion, so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, in Agent Provocateur, I have sort of a double dipping of contributor segments again. Uh, episode 6, Barack Obama's UN speech live and interpreted by Agent Provocateur. I'm very excited for that. And Militant Eroticism heads up the tail end of this with Episode 5, Masturbation. I know all about that. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's going to do it for the show. So aside from my bad and um, uh, yeah, I'll wait till... I guess it's going to be November before I get to talk about this other stuff I want to touch on. Um, oh, yeah. And pay attention. Uh, there's a lot of really great things happening in this month other than Halloween. You have the Greater Magic episode. I'm going to be having an ad in, and uh, a little bit of a feature, though not directly, in Old Nick Magazine. Just check out the Old Nick Magazine as soon as it's released. And um, oh, what else? Um Gosh, there's some other things that are on the tip of my tongue that I can't think of at the moment. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, relating to that um, Old Nick Magazine feature of sorts. Check out the websites. I'll give specifics as soon as it's closer here. But there's uh, pay attention to the news feed of the Church of Satan website. There's some, some really amazing things happening there that I'm very excited to be a part of, um, but just a part. Uh, so... Pay attention, people, because there's there's some really great things happening in the online arena and print arena of Satanism. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and just start the show. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. What is your take on LeVay's comment on the doctor is in question number two uh, quote here I'm all for a police state no messing around there should be an armed guard on every street corner the Israelis have the right idea school bus drivers and McDonald's managers carrying Uzis so I, I got this uh, I get a lot of um, response from you guys and I'm, I'm very very grateful for it thank you for one listening and then two finding the time in your life to respond asking me questions and just thanking me for doing the show. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, this individual sent me this uh, letter in here uh, asking me this question. This is the second question. Like I was saying at the, the, the beginning of this, I don't, I don't respond to every question I get. I thought this one was interesting because it, it brings a bit of a discussion on. And I, I think that's relatively important. So... What, what I like to do is try to imagine, well, why does this individual want to know this? I try to put it in context. I put the question in context with the individual because it's different if you're a, a Satanist who is a member of the Church of Satan and appreciates what the organization does and uh, respects um, our founder for what he's done in his life and the codification of our now religion. And you just, you know, have a question about something he mentioned uh, in the last interview he did in this case. Um, the doctor is in by um, the really wretched human being, uh, Shane Bugby. And really just, you know, have a genuine question. But it's an entirely different context. 
if you're trying to break down what it means, um, what, what Anton LaVey means, what his message was, if, if, if this question comes from a place of trying to fracture this notion of, of uh, Satanism or Anton LaVey or the Church of Satan or whatever. And I only bring this up because the last question I got from this individual, uh, it, it made me think that maybe that's what they're doing, is more trolling and less realistic actual curiosity in the question. Um, and like all of either the Devil's Advocate segments or the Nine Sense Letters segments, I have to say straight up, and it's already been mentioned, I don't speak for the Church of Satan. I can't explain why Anton LaVey said something uh, in some interview. I, I, I can't explain the rationale because I'm not that individual. I can give you my take on it. And that's what was asked. And so I'm, I'm going to give you that. But if I'm ever asked, uh, what did Anton LaVey mean by this? Or, or, you know, does this certain structure mean that X and Y are really the case? I'm not going to play hypotheticals. I'm not going to play, uh, I'm not going to respond to trolls in essence. So, because this seemed like, on its face, that it could be a teeter-tottering good question, I'm responding to it. But, as much as the context of the question's uh, meaning, I have to play the context of the quote. Because that has everything to do with intention of the quote itself. Uh, it, it's easy to pull quotes out of texts and apply meaning to them out of context and infer some sort of uh, intention. I'm not going to play to that. So what I'm going to do is read you the entire question number two and then respond to the question of the emailer. Um, and I hope that throughout that, in my opinion, it'll be clear. Um, so let, let's do this here from the beginning. So I, you can actually find this interview on the Church of Satan website. And again, this is uh, The Doctor's In by Shane and Amy Bugby. Uh, I don't know anything about Amy Bugby, but I do know that Shane uh, has done nothing but prove a worthless human being uh, from his outward expressions. Um, so taking him for how he presents himself, I'm not impressed. However, I will respond. Uh, let's read this. Number two, his question. What is your opinion of the militia groups today, of the government, the president, or politics in general? And Anton LaVey's response is as follows. It's difficult for me to think of the government as acting in any other than a Machiavellian manner. When the timing is right, it will change accordingly. I'm not quick to criticize the government or the president. They are whipping boys for the meanly-mouthed constituents who first vote them into power, then complain. As you can see, I have little respect for the herd. Like their gods, they create their governments according to their needs. All governments and their symbolic leaders are simply sounding boards for the temporal whims of their citizens. If people weren't so easily manipulated, there'd be no exploitation. The extreme right wing, like the extreme left, I find to be a rather humorless lot given to blaming everyone but their own kind for the plight they crusade against. The same applies to racism. There would be no problem if the Gentile white man had done something when he was the majority. Now he's trying to close the barn door after the horse runs away. That's why I believe in stratification by allowing water to seek its own level. It's something that can and is being done. I'm all for a police state. No messing around. There should be an armed guard on every street corner. The Israelis have the right idea. School bus drivers and McDonald's managers carrying Uzis. Okay, so back to the original question, what is your take on LaVey's comments? It's hard to answer that because I, my take on his comments are at face value. As with every single other one of his essays that he's written or, essay, or interviews that he's conducted, um, I take it at face value. Uh, 
one thing we have to uh, keep in mind about Anton LaVey is that he didn't mince words. He didn't beat around the bush. If he had something to say, he said it. Straightforward. I mean, Satanism is a perfect example of that. It would have been very easy for him to create this gobbledygook, occultish-style religion uh, surrounded in shadow and, and sort of misdirection in speech. But that wasn't Anton LaVey's style, not the way I understand it. He was always straightforward. He was honest about what he was doing and clear, viscerally clear with the message. So, what is my opinion on this particular little blurb? I think that at the time that this was conducted, this interview was conducted, Anton, Anton LaVey thought that there was nothing wrong with a police state, that there shouldn't be messing around between the citizens and the government. The citizens created the government, and now they have to deal with the monster they created. In one of my very first earliest shows, I talked about how government was very much like the monster in a, in a Frankenstein story. And we were Frankenstein. We created this thing, and now it's sort of run away to scare the townspeople. Uh, maybe we deserve a police state because we set this monster into motion. Uh, there should be armed guards in every street corner. Uh, the Israelis have the right idea. School bus drivers and McDonald managers carry Uzis. Well, that's not far from uh, anyone in the NRA standpoint and anyone in the far right standpoint. But I have to go back to what he said here at the beginning because having school bus drivers and McDonald's managers carrying Uzi is a very right wing statement. And then at the beginning of this sent or this paragraph, he states the extreme right wing I find to be rather humorless given to blaming everyone but their own kind for the plight they crusade against. So, I don't know. Was it a tongue-in-cheek message? I mean, Anton LaVey has been known to do that. Uh, I mean, I'm going to distill this down here to say, one, I, I don't know what you are expecting out of this. I don't, I mean, if you want me to say that Anton LaVey was for a uh, government-run state, I don't think that's the case at all. And I think Satanism itself speaks out against that. I do very much think uh, what he really is saying is that the herd is worthless. It creates an institution that serves its purposes and then bitches about those services so, wouldn't it be interesting, wouldn't it be justified almost, wouldn't it be ironic if that institution rose up against the herd? That's what I think he's saying. I think it's, it's a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I think it's a bit of, you built it, now you have to live with it. I think uh, it has nothing to do with Satanism. I, I think it has everything to do with... Um, uh, the herd getting what it, reaping what it sows. So, you know, with most of these questions, I, it's pretty transparent, the agenda. You know, what do you think about stratification? What do you think about um, not being able to out yourself uh, as a Satanist in a community? Um, things like that, you, you hands down understand what the motivation is. Things like this, you're referencing one... The uh, two sentences at the end of a paragraph of a series of questions in an interview that um, was conducted by someone that I find completely worthless as a human being. I wonder what the motivation is. I wonder what the real purpose was. I don't, I can't imagine I played into it, but that's how I take these letters whenever I get them. So whether they were meant for a nine cents letters or not, we have to understand that solipsism is is the natural state of human thinking, I believe. When you ask a question, you already have an answer in your head, and you're hoping that the other person that you're asking the question to will come to the same conclusion. You're assuming you're being solipsistic in thinking that they're going to come to the same conclusion as you. I don't think this is the case. I think this is rarely the case, actually. Um, so, 
I hope I answered your question the way you wanted to be answered. And if not, I answered it in the way that uh, it was presented. I do appreciate your feedback. I, I truly do. And thank you very much for listening. And I hope that you get something out of not only this segment and me answering the question, but also the show in general. Um, it's easy not to understand Satanism if you don't look into it. It's easy to think that you know something about our founder or about the hierarchy or about the organization, the Church of Satan, or about the religion, Satanism, if you just go into it with broad assumptions or if you dissect sound bites, or if you take quotes out of context. It's easy to make false definitions sound plausible. But when you're talking about a religion that is unparalleled, unequaled, like Satanism, all you can do is take it at face value. There's literally no reading into it. And the number of ritual questions I get tells me that the majority of human beings read far too much into it. Take the information as it's presented in the Satanic Bible and in the Satanic Scriptures, and you will not go wrong. It's all there, and you don't need me to explain anything or try to dissect anything. Um, and let's be honest. Just like every other Satanist out there and every other political view that they may or may not share or social view that they may not may not share, you may not agree with someone in the hierarchy's uh, socio-political opinions. They may be in stark contrast to your own. That's part of the true majesty of Satanism is that that doesn't matter. Because you're not expected to think like every other Satanist. You're not expected to act like every other Satanist, to dress like everyone else, or to act, follow the same social structures. You're encouraged to be an individual. And to think that that applies to everyone except our founder is a shortcut to thinking. I have no doubt that Anton LaVey may have had some political or social ideas that I don't particularly agree with. That's called being a human being and a realistic individual. He never wanted to be put on this prophetic pedestal and worshipped. He codified a religion that we all resonate with. That is where the similarities end. And we shouldn't be expected to think the same exact way or to share every opinion because that's not what Satanism is. And if, it, if that's what you think it is or that's what you think it should be, then you might as well go join a devil-worshipping cult because there's the same thinking over there in every cult. We are one. Everyone thinks and acts the same. We have one singular purpose. That cannot be further away from what Satanism is. So if that's what you're thinking, you're not a Satanist and move on. And I understand that some of my listeners really don't like me making absolute statements like that. But again, you're not expected to agree with everything that I'm saying. I'm just one Satanist in this vast wide world that shares one moment in time in all of the history and future of Satanism. You're not expected to agree with everything that I say. I don't expect you to nod your head like automatons and follow me off a cliff like lemmings. I don't want that. I hope at some point that I provoke maybe a little bit of thought, but at its core, this is just for entertainment. Maybe to share a, a, a word or, or an idea. But nothing about Satanism is the slave following of ideas from anyone. Not the founder, not the current or future or past hierarchy, not any current, future, or past member, or anyone that just calls himself a Satanist on the internet. We are individuals, and if you cannot grasp that, 
then you are not, never will be, a Satanist. You are too caught up. You are too mentally deficient and locked into that sheep way of thinking. And that's fine. Go about your life. But don't pretend to be something you're not. Alright. Let's go ahead and dive in. I'm excited for this. Agent Provocateur and Militant Eroticism. And I will see you on the tail end. I am not a liberal nor a conservative. I am not a Democrat nor a Republican. I am not a socialist nor a capitalist. I am not an authoritarian and I'm definitely not fighting for your cause. I belong to no party, I support no politicians, I am loyal to no state, and your cause celebra means nothing to me. I am Darren Deicide, Agent Provocateur. This is Ken Stevenson with Nine Cents News. We interrupt a regularly scheduled episode of Agent Provocateur, active shooters in American pastime, for a news flash. Right now, President Barack Obama is over at the United Nations General Assembly preparing to give his speech. We go over to New York City for this, where interpreter and correspondent Darren Deicide awaits the broadcast. We understand that President Barack Obama will be taken to the floor soon. Darren Deicide, are you out there? Yep, yeah, I'm here with my earpiece in and ready to pour out a homebrew. Great. Darren will be translating the rhetoric in the way other world leaders are translated from other languages. Darren, are you ready? Yeah, let me just pour my homebrew out here. On behalf of the General Assembly, I have the honor to welcome to the United Nations His Excellency Barack Obama, President of the United States of America, and invite him to address the Assembly. Mr. President? (sighs) Okay, I'm ready. Great, then let's go to the floor for this historic event. Mr. President, Mr. Secretary General, fellow delegates, ladies and gentlemen. Hey guys, what's up? Each year, we come together to reaffirm the founding vision of this institution. Let's go through our routine bullshit. People are watching this time, so besides the usual feel-good rigmarole about what we all do and what we're doing here... I'm also going to have to bullshit you on some stuff my administration has done. suppose we're all here for bullshit, so feel free to use selective listening. This might be a good time to take a look up your secretary's dress or stare intently at internet porn while feigning that you're writing up an important document. five years ago, nearly 180,000 Americans... Let's go over some general points. I know many of you are pissed off at us, so it's a bit obligatory at this point. Today, all of our troops have left. First, I know everyone is sore about that whole Iraq and Afghanistan thing. Fuck you. Achieved its mission of dismantling the core of Al Qaeda that attacked us on 9/11. Second, these new circumstances. I know you're sore about the drones and the NSA spying. Beyond bringing our troops home, we have limited the use of drones so they target only those who pose a continuing imminent threat to the United States, where capture is not feasible, and there's a near certainty of no civilian casualties. Fuck you. We're transferring detainees to other countries and trying terrorists in court. Kenya, Pakistan, working diligently to Iraq, close the prison of Guantanamo Bay. We have our eyes on you. And just as we... Reviewed how we refer to the first and second extraordinary military capabilities in a way that in other words, to our ideals. Fuck you. Who's next? To review the way that we gather Fourth. As a starting point, the international Syria, you're next. Enforce the ban on chemical weapons. Let's get down to brass tacks, Syria. When I stated my willingness to order a limited we strike against the Assad regime in response have a club. to the brazen use of chemical weapons, you're not a part of it. I did not do so lightly. You're not invited. And we're not letting you in. I did so because I believe when I say we're not letting you in, I mean the United States of America isn't letting you in. You see, not everyone in the club agrees. But since when did the opinions of the rest of the club stop us from doing anything? The ban against the use of chemical weapons, even in war, has been agreed to by 98% of humanity. (sighs) I guess I forgot to mention this also to the rest of the Security Security Council, Council but fuck you guys too. 
We'll give some lip service to diplomacy, but this is more like However, a Clint Eastwood version of negotiating. For over a year. Just ask yourself Most one question, Syria. Do you feel lucky? My preference has always oh. been a diplomatic resolution. Well, position. I'm glad we haven't had to pull the trigger. In the past several weeks, the United States, me and my and buddy Russia Putin struck a deal. But I have to warn you, if this doesn't work out, we have two words for you. Don't make me say it again. If this does work out, I will distribute little gold star stickers to everyone for being such well-behaved campers. Play your cards right, and we may even take our most favorite states on a field trip. The Assad regime is keeping its commitments. Have a practical impact on the American Again, support for our I'm fully aware that some of you aren't interested in America's participation in the region. In the region. We don't particularly care. So, here's what America is going so let me take to do. This opportunity to outline what has been U.S. policy towards the Middle East and North Africa, and what will be my policy during the remainder of my presence. The United States of America is prepared to use all elements of our power. We will not hesitate to pull the trigger against anyone. This is sort of just a generalized threat, so that when we bomb something in your country, you can't act surprised. Also, if we happen to kill your civilians, remember it's all just part of the difficult burden we carry as exceptionalist America. We will ensure the free flow of energy from the region to the world. We want your oil. Although America steadily reducing our own dependence on This shit is oil, big money. The world and there's no way in hell I'm not hooking my buddies up with big bucks. After all, their big bucks are my big bucks. We will dismantle terrorist networks that threaten our people. We will escalate the war of attrition that we're mired in. I'm prepared to make a giant funeral pyre of American soldier carcasses from which I will roast s'mores and reminisce about my vacation home in Martha's Vineyard. When it's necessary to defend the United States against terrorist attack, we will take direct action. And finally, we will not tolerate the development or use of weapons of mass destruction. Nobody can be a nuclear power in the region except the Israel. Don't ask for reasons. Security. We, we don't have to justify a damn thing to you. A nuclear arms race in the region and undermine the global non-proliferation regime. Now, to say that these are America's core interests... How we fuck you up they are our only is not limited to these things. We Again, we're sort of just making the rules up as we go along. Middle East and North Africa that is peaceful and prosperous. Rather, these objectives are best achieved when we partner with the international community and with the countries and peoples of the region. So what does this mean going forward? Now, let's talk about Iran. Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons. The they might want nuclear weapons. Well, these issues are not I might have to drill this point home again. We're not letting that happen for anyone in the region except Israel. Your word isn't good enough, Ron. We want in, and we'll dangle this over you just in case we need to fuck with you in the future. So you best behave. The only difference between Iran and Iraq is an N and a Q. So take a long, hard look in their broken mirror and ask as yourself if that's how you want to end up. Iranians have long complained of a history of U.S. interference in their affairs <sighs> and of America's role in overthrowing the Iranian government during the Cold War. Now, we are also determined it's time to resolve a conflict that goes back even further to than bullshit our differences with Iran. About that is the conflict between our best buddies in the region. And Israelis. Israel. I've made it now, clear that the United States will never compromise our commitment to Israel's security. Again. Likewise, the United States remains committed again, to yada, the yada, yada. Palestinian people. We care about right your feelings, Palestinians. Feel better now? Okay. Their own sovereign Great. State. Here's the point. Mess with Israel. The same trip, I have the opportunity and we will fuck you up. You see, we have no problem forcing a state like Iran to follow the letter of every UN resolution, every international law, and every international declaration. But we have standards, everyone, and they're what we call double standards, alright? Hey, at least we still got them. They're frustrated by their families enduring the daily indignity of occupation. Your point. 
Now, we love to talk the democracy talk and all this stuff about inalienable rights, and that's the pretense we will use to make sure we'll always be nosing in your business. Nevertheless, we will not stop asserting principles that are consistent with our ideals, whether that means opposing the use of violence as a means of suppressing dissent, or supporting the principles embodied in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But be happy to our ability to determine that we occasionally kick your ass. Now, the notion of consider it a tough propaganda, but it isn't borne out by America's current policy or by public opinion. You know what it is is that you should be happy that we lay you out across our lap and whoop you with our American cowhide belts. Lotion those rosy cheeks with pride. We're doing this for you. Now, I want you to take your time with this next one. Because it's a somewhat complex We reserve the right to kick your ass before you kick your own. I mean... Really what this boils down to is, when you want to be a big man on campus, you need to find every rationalization. It'll all make sense once we're done sweeping up the bodies and building a new proxy government. Just trust me on this. Now, I hope you all play along with our game. I've already laid out the consequences of not playing the game. It isn't going to be pretty. We carry out the founding America reserves the right to be up your ass. And where we all take we reserve the right to create double standard. A world in and we will cluster bomb your country the if there's war, something me and my buddies can make a good buck on. And prevent the kinds of Count on it. Now, before I end my rounds of bullshit so I can, can sit down and, and listen to the rest of y'all's bullshit, I'd like to evoke... We're ready to meet tomorrow's One problems. of the Wait. king bullshitters in history. There's a campaign strategy of mine that worked very well. There it is. Each individual I don't know if you caught that. Some new material. Martin Luther King imitation. I love That's evoking him. To the future, not with fear, I have absolutely with nothing in common with him, but it That's works why we really, really well. That this community of nations can deliver a more peaceful, prosperous, and just world for the next generation. All right, folks. Thank you very much. You know the rules. I'm sure I'll be seeing most of you at the vetoing table. Good night. And there it is. Straight from New York City's UN General Assembly. Barack Obama's speech. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Agent Provocateur. We'll be back on our normal schedule, assuming nothing crazy happens. (laughs) Good night, folks.
Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I'm your host, Oden Arden, and due to unfortunate shenanigans and porn surfing, I've lost the research for my female gangbang episode. I was so looking forward to it. But that's okay. As a result, I've had to switch my schedule up a little bit, and the episode I had planned for next month I'm going to do today, and I have to move the gangbang episode to next month. Um... So this topic is about masturbation and it uh, and its uses. So it's my first sex tip type of episode in a series called Slutty Scarletisms. Like I said in the intro episode, every now and then I'm going to take a break and do something um, that is tried and true in my experience and experience of friends, um, not really friends, people I used to hang out with. Um, Escorts, prostitutes, streetwalkers that I used to talk to in an interview for shits and giggles. So this stuff is tried and true in my experience, but try it yourself. Life is a big experiment. The worst that can happen is you fail. So I've discussed before in the Sex Magic episode how masturbation can be used to attain a fantasy and a sexual partner of choice, but this isn't the only thing that makes masturbation beneficial. I mean, you get to orgasm. But what we're concerned with are three primary places. Coming with a condom on, coming in different positions, and learning how to f- uh, forego or to somewhat skip the, refra- uh, the refractory period. So let's start off with um, the most common problem, coming with a condom on. This is a problem that a lot of men have, and I can understand. I get it. If you're well-endowed, it's already... If you're well-endowed and you have to wear a condom, it's, it's a lot more... It's more difficult, and it's difficult on both sides. Uh, I highly recommend bearskin condoms because they're the closest to barebacking I've ever come. And but unfortunately, they're not a one size fits all. Men who have to wear magnums, or um, people who get screwed by men who wear magnums, you guys have my deepest sympathies because they're thick, and if you're taking it. It's uncomfortable, not because, well, you know, it's partly uncomfortable because you have a big dick in you, but it's also uncomfortable because magnums just suck. I never understood men who just are like, yeah, man, I have to wear a magnum. I just want to look at them and go, dude, I'm sorry. You had to put your big beast in a really thick cage. Sucks. So it's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, But... We, uh, if you're single, or uh, if you're single, or you just started dating someone, this is a fact of life. You should wear a condom, and hopefully, you are. So, let's learn how to come with a condom on. If you got to deal with this, you might as well make it as fun as possible. The trick here is to jack off with a condom on, but you have to be patient. It sounds odd because the point of masturbation is an easy orgasm, but you always have to keep in mind the ultimate goal. Uh, you cannot slide the condom up and down like you would your hand, and you cannot put lube in the condom. You have to jack off with the condom as normal. So if you fuck your hand, like you stick your dick in and out of your hand, but you don't move your hand, you have to do that. You know, put some lube in your hand and do that. Or if you're the type of guy who kind of pulls the scarf, if you're if you're circumcised, what I guess you would call your foreskin is actually scar tissue. So if you slide that up and down, you have to kind of do it in the condom. But really, you want to get as close to um, uh, fucking as possible because you want it. You, you're training your penis, and assuming you jack off once a day, it should probably take two to three weeks. But uh, the first few times, it's going to take a long time for you to come. It's going to get really irritating, but I promise you, it's worth it. Just be patient. Because you cannot stop masturbating until you come. Even if the orgasm sucks, you cannot do it. This is incredibly important. You must nut with the condom on. All men I have suggested uh, suggested this to, it has never failed them. Never. Not once. Ever. If it did, they didn't tell me, and trust me, I bugged them about it. Because I always like to know... Does it work? I'm not going to tell you unless I know that at least nine times out of ten, it's going to work for you. So, if you're single and you hate condoms, you can you have three choices. You can risk barebacking or dissatisfaction, or you can get monogamous and hope your partner doesn't cheat or miss a birth control, or you can just learn how to enjoy the condom. 
The benefits of the last one, enjoying the condom, is how awesome fucking will be once the condom is off. Think about it. I mean, the only downside of this is you may get a bit too excited, but we will talk about that a little bit later. Now, I advocate learning how to orgasm and come in a condom, or the method to do so, but I want to make my personal stance per perfectly clear. Coming in a condom while inside somebody is not the best idea. It's, it's not good. Don't do it. They'll say, oh, well, I know when the condom breaks. No, man, you don't. More times than not, you won't know. Especially if it's good and you're really into it. You just won't know if it broke. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're feeling yourself getting there, when you're about to get there, and the pre-cum's coming out, pull out, rip off the condom, and nut. Do it that way. It's far safer. Um, this advice is about the ability to achieve it, not to blow your load in the belly of a strange beast. Not smart. Not very smart. So try not to do I know we all, you know, especially from a bottom's perspective, it's the best thrust I'm going to get from a man is when he's coming. But better be safe than sorry. I can live without that. Though I cry myself to sleep sometimes. Anyway, next one is coming in different positions. Uh, learning to come in different positions is quite the same as previous advice, except the emphasis is on your body and not the tools in use. Jack off however you prefer, condom or not, whatever you want to do with your hand. But in the position you'd like to be able to come in, I suggest starting with the position that you can, you know you just cannot come in it. It never works. It never happens. Do it. It's going to take a long time, but you should really do it. And jack off in that position till orgasm is easily, one more time, easily achieved. The principle is the same as learning to orgasm with a condom on. You want to get to the point where it's just like any other thing. Now, sure, we all have our favorites, and the orgasm you get in your favorite position will be superior to the other orgasms, but you want to learn how to be a bit versatile here. I, for example, found it incredibly difficult to orgasm standing. So I started jacking off while standing. Another man I know couldn't come in doggy position, so I told him to jack off on his knees while fucking his hand, because that was the way he masturbated. And his girlfriend thanks me, because he could never come doggy, and she loves doggy position, and she wants the deep thrust also. So she's like, nah, bitch, you, you're, you're going to nut, and you're going to give me the good banging I want in this position. So, there we go. I advocate learning to come in any position, though, of course, we all have our favorites, and those will be superior. And, again, you have to just be patient here. It's not going to happen like that. It's you're training your body, and that takes a little bit of time. You just have to remember your goal in this. Now, the next one is kind of the hardest, but I think one of the best things to do. Uh, I wish more tops would do it for the bottom's sake and for women's sake, especially since women can have multiple orgasms and most men come before their girl has one. Uh, not all the time, this isn't true, but or not completely across the board true, but this happens a lot. And, you know, some women complain, they're like, I can't have multiple orgasms, I get too sensitive. Well, this advice is for you also. So it's called the refractory period. You know, that sweet little time after sex, where the man wants a sandwich and the woman wants to cuddle and the world is beautiful and everything is sweet for a few minutes. And then it's over. So this is a period where it is held and it is often true that the man cannot come again and it's incredibly difficult to keep his heart on. A good way to surpass this period is to decrease... Um, is to decrease after orgasm sensitivity. This is a bit harder with women than it is for men. Women being far more sensitive after orgasm than men, you have to kind of force yourself to keep going. I suggest using a flashlight or something similar of the hole you like to screw. For women, I suggest keep playing with your clit after you orgasm. If a dildo is used, make sure it is the clit that receives the most attention, because that's the part that's getting super sensitive. Usually. I mean, you know you know your body better than I would, but most of the time it's usually your clit that's like, Oh my god, don't touch me! It tickles. 
It's usually that. It's kind of like the head of a man's penis. Like, no, 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 you can touch the shaft. Just stay away from the glands. Girl, come on. Tickles. <laughs> so, they play with the clip. Um, you cannot... It's, it's important to understand you can't get rid of the refractory period. But you can how to you can learn how to minimize it, and you can learn to keep going after it. Most people are like, man, I need to, I need twenty thirty minutes, which you know is it's our biology. You're you're working, you're on an uphill battle here, uh, but you just can't get rid of it altogether. Uh, you may always need to stop for a second, take a breath, give your dick a, a bit of a time to reset itself. Same with a clit, give it a chance to breathe a minute, so to speak, and. Uh, then try for a second round. Um, usually, I believe, I'll have to double check, but I'll, I'm pretty sure that the second orgasm for a woman is a lot easier to achieve than the first. For a man, it's the opposite. The second one takes a lot longer to get to. But hey, if it's good sex, man, I, at least for me, it's kind of like, I wish this doesn't have to stop, but I'm getting ready to not. This sucks. Or, you know, the top will come. I'm like, God damn it. No, I'm not done with you yet. Come on, man. We've only been at it for about an hour. Come on. I don't have work for three. So that's that's the importance of learning how to train your sensitive areas to just kind of... <sighs> All right, let's keep going. And there are too many myths in the sexual sphere of having natural talents to keep going or come on command and... Things like that. I hear it way too often. Oh, I wish I could do what that porn star can do. You can. You can do it. It must. It just may be easier for them to obtain these skills, but you can get these skills too. It's Sure, it's easier to be a great painter when you have a natural knack for painting, but you can still develop a superior set of skills to the majority of people who just don't give a shit. This is also true of sexual skills. Some people can just do it, but the majority of us are not those people you should learn. But why should you learn? Because we should be masters of pleasure, rulers of our flesh. And like any deity that has sex, we should be able to bestow one hell of a miracle. So kick back. Train yourself to get what you want. Sex is like any other pleasurable skill. You have to learn to be great at it. Sure, you can cook, but can you cook an awesome dish? That when the plate is... When the plate is licked clean, you get a little bit sad because there isn't any more. Kind of like that. And this also ties into something that pisses me off. I'm sick of people who brag about their sexual skills. Oh, man, I can just come like that. And I can just keep going because I'm just that awesome. I, can, I have a big dick and I know how to swing it. Dude. Really? Have you ever read a sex manual? No, man, I don't need a sex manual. I'm awesome. Or girls... I never need to ask my man about what he likes because all I have to do is open my legs. Or, I am the king of blowjobs. You ever read about blowjobs? Ever read an oral sex manual? I don't need to. I got big lips. I really just want to smack these people. Because they're... Yeah, sure. A few of them. I've been pleasantly surprised. One of my fuck buddies is one of those guys. He's like, I can go forever. I can make you cry. And I can make you feel amazing. And he can. That was one of the few people that I was like, damn, he actually wasn't bullshitting me. He really is that good. <laughs> but most of the time, you know, people who brag the loudest, they're the worst. They're just not good. They, they'll treat you like they're jacking it. And the girls are like, I'm, I'm awesome at head think teeth are a good thing. It isn't. Unless the man specifically asks for it, which is rare. So drop the pretension, buy some sex manuals, learn how to handle your own equipment, and take some time to talk to the person and learn how to handle their equipment. So this, this is, well, that's, 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 this is it. Yeah. I should probably learn how to skip my own refractory period. <laughs> Anyway, that does it for militant eroticism, so until next time, comrades, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and always remember that it doesn't matter who bends over, because in the end, we're all degraded. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, thank you both 
Darren Diaside, and Aden Arden. Thank you very much. I truly appreciate you guys contributing to this uh, amazing episode. And uh, yeah, I know I know the audience loves it. And if you guys out there listening want to send some kudos, they both have Facebook pages. They both have Twitter accounts. You can always just send me an email and I'll forward it on. But that's going to do it for another show, and I hope you enjoyed it. And like I was just mentioning, I'd love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can also leave me a testimonial, which uh, some of you have done. Thank you so much for that. You can visit the Saint Net, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 Cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. Just got another one a little while ago. Thank you very much for that. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And like I was saying at the top of the show... Check it out at the end of the month. It's going to be some good stuff. And remember, the only way that this podcast is going to continue is if you tell a friend. I know you've been doing it because I've been getting new listeners literally every single week. Thank you so much, but let's not stop. Keep sharing Nine Cents. Together we will create, literally define, the greater satanic conversation. Help spread the word. Once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan!